Welcome to the See the Miracle podcast. I'm your host, Brady Murray. And I'm your co-host, Andrea Murray. Our podcast will feature inspiring guests within the special abilities community. Together, we will be sharing how families and communities are rising up and seeing the miracle of individuals with special abilities. That's something to be proud of. That's a life you can hang your head on. Okay, and we are live. Welcome to the See the Miracle podcast. I'm here with my soulmate, Andrea Murray. Hello, it's great to be here. It is great to be here. Lots of fun things to be able to share and give updates on. We have a fun story that we've talked a little bit about in prior podcasts. We want to go into greater detail because there's some good significance in this story. But before we do so, let's hear an update from Andrea. How's things been? It's been a pretty great week. Um, just rolling into October. I'm pretty excited about that. It's a great time of year and it's been fun. Um, we just had general conference this last weekend, which is always something that I look forward to. Yep. I loved it. It was a great, great time. I spent, uh, the entire day, almost sun up to sundown, uh, getting to work in our little orchard area in the garden area and listening to general conference and other talks. And man, I think that is just one of the best ways to be able to listen to that. Yep. A lot of inspiration can come when you're focused like that. Yep. And I got most of the weeds out of the garden. (laughs) That is a bonus. (laughs) That's right. Very good. So let's talk about updates. So one big, big update is we have final plans to be able to travel to Colombia to Bogota here in just a few weeks. So this came together quick. So as many of you know, we went to Bogota in July and we were able to document and create content on 43 children that we have been viciously and fiercely (laughs) advocating for to try and find and inspire a family. And we just got green light that we get to go back And we leave here uh, the latter part of October, and we get to spend um, four days doing uh, content. And so in this opportunity, we're going to go to two different orphanages, two just different institutes. And something that is special about this one is they have committed to allow us to document and create content for every single child in the institute. That is adoptable. That is adoptable. And so in the past, when we went, we only got to film or document typically three or four, maybe five Mm -hmm. at the most in any one of these. And in this case, we're expecting between these two institutes that we'll have over 60 children that we get to um, be able to hopefully advocate for and find a loving home for. Yeah, it's exciting. It's fun to see this trip coming together and it will be great because we learned a lot on our first trip in July. And so hopefully on this trip, we'll be able to streamline things a little bit more and have the process run smoothly. And um, like Brady said, you know, we'll be able to uh, make good use of the time that we have in these institutes because we'll be able to see more children and hopefully get more footage and um, be able to advocate for more children. Something special as well that uh, will be on this trip is we get to take um, three of our team members from Rod's Heroes uh, are are going to be able to join us, which we're way excited to be able to give them this experience because it truly makes this real. 
on what we're doing. It takes it to a whole nother level. Yes, it's a, it's a great opportunity. And I would just recommend it to anyone who has the chance to be able to go and um, spend some time in these places and these environments. And there are a lot of ways to help. And it's awesome to be able to see these uh, really neat children that are in these situations. So another thing is we're also going to bring a professional film crew with us. So on our last trip, we only had one uh, videographer and he's amazing. That's Alan who runs all of our video content and our content creation. He's our marketing director. But in addition to having Alan on this shoot, we're also going to have another videographer who has gone on many, many missions with Operation Underground Railroad. In fact, we were introduced to um, Christian by Operation Underground Railroad, highly recommended. In addition to that, we'll also have uh, a light slash sound slash photographer that will be with us as well. Yeah, that will be good. That should be hopeful. Alan did an amazing job last time, and I know it was a little bit stressful because he was just doing it all. So hopefully this this time will alleviate some stress for him, and it will be good to have um, the help of those other individuals as well. Yep. So another exciting update about this is when we were on our last trip, we had this feeling come over us multiple times on how amazing it would be to spend a day or even two days in an institute and during that whole time, start telling all of the children that at the end, we're going to have a big fiesta. We're going to have a big dance party. Mm-hmm. And so we asked if that was possible. We asked for permission. And sure enough, they said, yep, that's going to be possible. So we're planning on doing that at the on the Saturday night in the Instituto Luz de Vida. And they have, we're going to do a street, a street party. Oh, are <laughs> so we? We're going to awesome. do it right in front of the Institute and, uh, that street's blocked off. And so we'll have all the kids come out and we'll bring all the bikes out. We're going to have pinatas. We're going to have a torta. dance. We're going to have torta. It's awesome. going to be super, super cool. And I think it's going to be way cool because we're going to be able to, you know, hype it up during the two days that we're there. So in the first Institute, we'll spend two days there. And then uh, the next institute will spend two days there as well. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Yep, very good. So in addition to that, um, I, I don't recall if we've mentioned this before, but this is big, big news. Um, when we're done in Bogota, so Andrea and the team will fly back to the United States. And then Alan and I, along with Misty and Adriana from Madison, are actually going to fly from Bogota over to Quito, Ecuador. And we have a very important meeting on uh, Monday at 11 a.m., Monday the 25th, 4th, uh, at 11 a.m. with the National Adoption Consulate of Ecuador. And the purpose of the meeting is to be able to share with them the work that we're doing in Colombia and give them the perspective and propose and ask for permission to come to Ecuador and be able to do the exact same project there. Yeah, it's pretty exciting and awesome, and I think it will go well, and I'm excited for Brady. I kind of wish I was going to Ecuador because he gets to give a one-hour speech to <laughs> um, to this committee, to these people, on raising a child with Down syndrome in Spanish. So I wish I was going to be there for that so I could <laughs> witness that and hear that, but I think it's going to be pretty incredible And I think that it's going to be awesome because it's going to open some doors for not only for the adoption of children who are in orphanages, but we are really hoping that eventually um, the things that we're doing and the work that we're doing will make it possible for families in these countries to more easily um, 
keep their children when they are born with these different abilities. Yeah. And so the name of our podcast is called the See the Miracle podcast. And it's very symbolic. Um, We have seen in our family um, how adoption has been a miracle, and we are seeing that miracle. We've seen in our family how Down syndrome and special needs has been a miracle and brought many, many miracles to our family. And we're seeing that miracle over and over again. And we feel super strongly, and in fact, this is something that really is beginning to uh, crystallize and become into focus of a big part of our mission is not just in relation to adoption, not just in relation to special needs, but actually inspiring families to keep their children. So if you look back in the United States, it wasn't very long ago that it was common practice similar to in these many of these developing countries we're working in, that when a child is born with a disability such as Down syndrome, that it's counseled to the families to give that child up for um, not necessarily even adoption, but to simply turn them over to an instituto, to a mental institution. And a lot of times, you know, that is their best option, they feel, because they don't have the social support to be able to keep a child. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of places are lacking um, the ability to take these children to specialists and to doctors and to um, just even gather information on how they would raise this child. And so um, it's kind of exciting that we will have these opportunities to just inspire people to want to be able to do these things and to inspire inspire governments to want to be able to support families so that they can have those opportunities available to them. Yep. And I would say that it was in our family history or in, in our heritage of our own family that I believe that in, in Andrea's side in particular, we have some examples of pioneers uh, in doing this. And so you want to share a little bit about that story? Yeah, absolutely. You may have heard us mention it before. My great grandma, Flora Allen, she had a young, a younger brother. Actually, it was her youngest brother whose name was Evan Mulburn Green. And he was born in 1918, December 13th of 1918 in Smithfield, Utah. And he had Down syndrome. And at that time, um, it wasn't even commonly labeled Down syndrome. I think that was, I think that was actually before it had even been identified as um, Down syndrome. So anyway, he was born and his family, he was born into a very loving family. He was the youngest of, or he was number 10 of um, his parents, 10 children. And they, um, you know, were able to keep him and raise well, him they, and love they him. Chose. Yeah, they, they chose, yeah, they chose to to do that. Yes, they did. And so they um, lived in Smithfield, like I said. And you know, this was this was pre diagnosis. They weren't even sure what the diagnosis was. This was pre um, inclusion in school, yeah. and so they didn't know if it was contagious. They didn't know if it was they didn't contagious. Know. And they, so this is based yeah. on. Tell a little bit, maybe how we got this information. Yeah, so this this came to light actually after we adopted our son Cooper. So, um, so this was really interesting because I, Brady and I had Nash in 2007, and um, my grandfather, who was Evan's uh, nephew, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So he he um, was alive at the time that um, we brought Cooper home, and. Um, 
and, or sorry, at the time that Nash was born and he had never said anything about, um, him having this uncle who had down syndrome. And so after we brought Cooper home and my aunt sent us a family picture and we saw that Evan had down syndrome and we figured all of that out. And I was just so shocked because I couldn't believe that nobody had ever said anything before. I mean, we had had Nash and everyone knew he had down syndrome and everyone in my family and, you know, we were pretty passionate about down syndrome and just love advocating for kids with down syndrome. And nobody in my family had ever told me about Evan and, um, come to find out like there were just, most people just didn't know about Evan. And so I, um, asked my grandma, my grandfather had passed away and I asked my, my grandma, why did grandpa never say anything? And she just said, Oh, well, I don't know. It just didn't really talk about those things. And, um, so that has just been kind of an interesting thing. Like we we were very curious about him and, um, looked up what information we could find and found out that he had lived with his family and his parents, um, until his, his father had passed away and he was living just with his mother. And then she had a stroke. And after her stroke, it sounded like it was a pretty severe stroke and she was bedridden after that. And her daughters, um, had to come in and start taking care of her. And at that point, um, they sent Evan down to the state mental institution, which just happens to be right by where we currently live. And so we were able to go there and, um, find some records about him. And it actually was just, just really sad for us to think that he, you know, here he was, he had been this light in his parents' lives, which I'm just sure of. And then he, you know, when his parents passed away, he ended up in this institution where, um, you know, I, I think they tried to take care of him and everything, but it didn't sound like the greatest place that he could have been. It sounded like it was a pretty sterile place for him to spend the rest of his life. And he was there until he passed away in 1957 at the age of 39. So he, how long had he been in the Institute? Oh, I cannot remember the exact year he went to the Institute, but I think he was was there for like 10 or 12 years. Yeah. So, um, So anyway, he was there for a while and yeah, and it was just kind of an eye-opening thing to us and we've just thought a lot about Evan and what we can learn from his situation. And in fact, we were able to ask some of the extended family members that are older that remember him about him. And, um, we talked to his niece and his, one of his nephews that was still living and they have memories of going to their grandma and grandpa's house and of Evan being there. And they said that he loved to play the piano, that he, they had like this pump organ piano thing that he would love to play and that he would do that. But we also heard some other things that some of the the, some of his in-laws, some of Evan's in-laws were afraid of him yep. because they didn't know what he had. They didn't understand his diagnosis. Um, and of course, I, like I said, he actually, I don't know if he was ever officially diagnosed with Down syndrome, but they didn't understand that it was something genetic. They worried that it was something contagious. So some of the in-laws chose to keep their distance, you know, from him and keep their children away from him, um, because they were worried about that. But then on the flip side, you also have, he had siblings who sisters who were teachers who would bring home readers and who taught him to read and spent time with him. And I just, um, think about that and think about, you know, our son Nash and, um, if he was in that situation, how that would be. And I hope that we would have chosen to respond as Evan's parents did and his family did, and that we would just love him and teach him and 
and, you know, give him the opportunity to develop his, his talents and abilities, um, like they did. And anyway, it's just, it's just given Brady and I a lot to think about. And as, as far as the progress that has been made in society for these children, as well as the progress that still needs to be made. So let me, let me share a couple of thoughts as you were sharing that. The first is with Evan's parents, they were pioneers. And so this is in, in the 19, early 1900s, early 1900s, where it, it was not socially acceptable to keep a child that had this uniqueness, this disability as they saw that. And so, um, their, the niece that we had spoke to said they didn't ever get to take him out. They didn't ever get to take him to church. He never got to go to school because it was socially not acceptable um, to be able to have that. And so these guys were pioneers in allowing their child to stay home. And in fact, was a little bit frowned upon, not even a little bit, but a lot of it frowned upon in that, in that circumstance and at that time frame. In addition to that, um, my heart just went out for Evan's father where um, I remember this niece saying that he was always looking for a cure mm-hmm. for his son. And every doctor, every special medicine, every snake oil every salesman, snake oil, snake oil salesman, every type of tonic that could be um, potentially utilized, he wanted to try that and to be able to try and help his son. And so these are individuals, these are parents that my guess is they were super scared. And they didn't know what exactly the situation was. And they were, they were ridiculed or that they were looked down upon as a result of that. Yet they still, because they loved this child so much, continued on and cared for this child. So that, that is a very real thing that is happening right now. Not as much in our, in our country right now. That has evolved a lot. And it's much, much better but in other countries, they're still back at the stage of where the United States, where our, where our families have been in the recent past. And I feel like the time and a big part of our work and our message is going to be able to help these families and help these countries, help these communities to be able to begin to see the light and be inspired to be able to support these families and support them in the community, support them from a local government standpoint as well. So this stems all the way back to here in just a few weeks. How amazing is this that I get to go to Quito, Ecuador and be able to give this presentation about just this and hopefully inspiring them to be able to see this differently. And something that Andrea and I have spent so much time on in the last couple of weeks is saying, you know, we're super passionate about adoption and we want these children to be able to be adopted. But our first choice, our number one choice, is that when a family is is blessed with one of these children, that they choose to keep that child and to raise that child as their own. That's the best case scenario. That's really the ultimate mission of what we're trying to accomplish is inspiring families to see these children as we see them, to see these children even as God sees them and mm-hmm. to care for them because it will bless their community. It's going to bless their family. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of the work that we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would say a big, a big part of it is just um, trying to change the perception so that these children are seen as valued and so that they 
they can be valued in their families and their communities. And, you know, Brady has always said, we, we have got to work until there are no more orphans to advocate for. We need to advocate. And that, that is awesome. But the only way that that will really happen is if families can choose to keep their children and find like joy and happiness in that, in that choice and have the support and have the support to and have it be acceptable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's our number one choice. And then the next thing that I would say is if that's not possible and these children still go to these institutes, our goal would be for them to be able to be adopted in country by somebody in their country, a family in their country that keeps them in their culture, in their heritage, and that they're raising them in their country. And we saw examples of that, of these amazing foster families in Colombia raising these children that are now eight, nine, 10 years old that they've had since they were infants and they're raising them as their own in their own country, being able to celebrate their own culture and their own community. And so that's our second goal. And then only if those first two goals are not possible, are we advocating for international adoption for them to be able to be um, adopted by families that have these resources, that have these community resources to be able to provide for them? Yep, it's it's um, exciting to see the things that are taking place and to see just all the different organizations that are really coming together to be able to make this a reality. So I, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Do you feel like Evan is helping us? Yeah, I do feel like he is helping us. He definitely is helping us. He is providing a lot of inspiration and I believe that he is still alive and well, maybe not here on this earth, but somewhere, and that he is helping us. And definitely I can feel that, that he, um, like there's a reason why we found out about his story and there are things that he is doing and a reason why he came when he did with the condition of Down syndrome that he had. So yeah, I absolutely believe that. Yeah, I feel that too. And I feel like his parents are helping us as well. Yeah, I think there's a whole army of people that are ready to uh, move this work forward. Yep. And there is, um, it might be just, it's kind of the, maybe it's the parable of when you buy a new car and then all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere. Mm -hmm. This is something that is just happening so quickly and we're making so many different connections, many of which we just have not even been able to share yet, but people are coming and, and being put in our path and we're being put in other people's path that is just opening up doors and hastening this work along. And so it's much bigger than adoption, as crazy as that sounds, because we're such advocates for adoption, but it's so much bigger than even just adoption. It truly is a work that just seems to be being divide or being divinely guided right now. Yeah, it's exciting to be part of and exciting to see the doors that keep opening. So yeah, I just want to keep going with it and see where it goes. Yep. Maybe we should have you come to Ecuador too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. That's something we can we can ponder and think about. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, that concludes our episode for today. Um, we'll uh, do a post on our Instagram channel um, at, let's see, which we'll do it at the Rise Up, uh, the Rise Up Heroes Instagram channel. I think it'd be great to do a Heroes. post on Rod's Heroes. You can also follow um, myself at Brady Murray 21 on Instagram. Andrea, what's your Instagram handle? Andrea Murray 21. That's so ironic. <laughs> I like it. And so we'll do a post about Evan and show some of these pictures about Evan for those of you that want to see a picture of him. So we have a really good picture of Evan. 
Yep. You have a great one. Perfect. All right. Great to spend some time. Okay. Until next time. Said, let me tell you right now. That's something to be proud of. That's a lie.